0: Welcome to Restitch America, a podcast about restoring civility, strengthening patriotism, and rebuilding unity in America. My name is Almohini Opari. As an immigrant for nearly two decades and a new American citizen, I created this show to help heal our national conversation, to rekindle our pride in our country, and to rebuild our sense of patriotism through optimism, civility, and willful positivity. Now sit... Relax, and let's Restitch America. Welcome to Restitch America. My name is Amohini Apari, and I'm very excited to be here with you today. So today we return to our normal programming, and we have a guest here today. But before we begin, um, I want you to remember to go and like, comment, and subscribe to Research America to be notified when new content is available. Also, be sure to connect with our guests. And Martha today is going to be our guest, and um, you will love hearing from her. And I think her experience is going to bring you some insight that will open your eyes. So let's get into it. So, Martha, I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to describe who you are and you know, how you came to America. And then I'm going to share a little bit about how we met.
1: Great. Um, Well, hi, everyone. I'm Marta. I am an immigrant from Cuba. Uh, My family migrated, well, I started the process of migrating to America in 2000. No, 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 no. In 19, oh, goodness. In 19... 97 and uh we got approved to uh start doing the paperwork in early 2000 uh we were scheduled to be able to come to America November of uh 2001 but the tragedy of 9 11 happened in September of that year so everything got pushed back and we weren't able to uh come to America till May 5th of 2002. Uh, so I came as not a child, but I was a young adult. I was only 19 years old. So it was my family who started the process of migrating to America and I came as a minor with them. Um, so, But since very early childhood, I always dreamed of being able to come to America due to the restrictions and everything that we were going through in Cuba, uh, my dream was to be able to be part of a country that have freedom, that I didn't have to uh, struggle to, you know, have the necessities, like let's say notebooks, books, uh, pencils, stuff like that, that a, a child needs for a school. Uh, I, I, I didn't want it to, I, I always dream what it would have been to be able to have shoes to go to school, you know, because uh, I had to either inherit already used shoes from family members as my feet were growing. or And I always wanted to have what it was mine versus having to inherit from other people, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it but it was just the constant struggle of am I going to have it so I always thought of America as this grand empire where you can become anything and you can achieve anything as long as you do the right things and you know work for it so and that was the vision that my family had you know bringing me here uh I remember that it was not so much for them to migrate to America, it was for me to be able to give me a better future. So that's how we came. Okay.
0: <laughs> that's a really good story. So um we hear bits and pieces of information about Cuba. We understand, of course, that it is a socialist country, um, mm-hmm. and for the most part, and freedom is a little scarce. Every now and then we get um, a little glimpse into Cuba um, when there is you know, protests or other things going on there. However, understanding the country, I think, is something that eludes a lot of Americans. And what that means is that some people have created ideas about Cuba that may not be accurate. And so we'll go a little bit into that discussion. But before we do that, we wanted to get to know you just a little bit. And so we're going to ask a couple of icebreaker questions, and then we'll see how that goes from there. So let's start with the very first one. What is your favorite childhood memory?
1: Well, um, I do not have one childhood memory that I can highlight in a specific, being that I was the only child in my household surrounded by adults, that loved me very much and protected me very much. But they were, they had the responsibility to protect me at all costs and to provide. So I remember not so much of, I don't want to say having a chaotic childhood, but my, my, the adults in my household was so focused on, you know, what is going to be tomorrow, that I I, I do have a general, I, I did have a general great childhood because of that, but it was more centered and focused on what was happening in Cuba. So I feel like in a way, the system robbed me of a childhood, but The adults in my family tried to do the best they could to give me a decent childhood. Does that make sense? Like, I still got to play. I still got to go to amusement parks. I mean, what was left of all amusement parks before Castro, you know, very rustic uh, (laughs) playgrounds. But as, you know, a child gets to enjoy anything as long as they have their family. So exactly that's what I can remember of my childhood. My family trying to protect my innocence and to protect my childhood the most they could. Okay. And and so I had general, you know, on let's say on Sunday, Sunday was my favorite day because it was the day that my mom would take me to watch uh movies in this matinee theater that we have that it was pretty much somebody living room with chairs and a tv and they play movies and that's how they make their living because you had to pay for the ticket but that to me was like going to a theater you know so it was a great thing And, and I love that so if I can think of any that was my favorite time that you know it was a Sunday there was uh the adult could relax for like a couple of hours and take me to the matinee and then take me to eat ice cream if there were ice cream. Uh,
0: yeah, we we take a lot of things for granted, and and people don't realize that being a child, like right, in certain parts of the world, is a very difficult endeavor, and and the kind of freedom that we have as children, um, that our children have in America. Is completely different uh, for other children in other parts of the world. I was lucky also to have a family, you know, that cared for me. My parents were pretty educated. And so my dad worked in the civil service. And because of that, I had, I would say, a pretty great childhood, irrespective of all the things that were happening in the country as a whole. And so um, that's really good to hear that you at least, your parents were able to carve out an existence for you that at least allowed you to be a little bit of a child and not have to worry about all the uh, things that were happening in the country. So if you could be remembered for one thing, what do you think that would be?
1: I get highlighted a lot by my managers that I have. Very strong work ethics. <laughs> and I think in, in prior videos that you have uh, seen from me, I'm always very strong on working and working hard. So I think that is something that I will be remembered of. Like my work ethics are very strong. I'm also very committed. Uh, when I commit to a cost or to something, I do not stop until I shift the goal. Uh, so I guess that makes me goal-oriented, uh, and I'm very loyal, <laughs> so I believe that will be the three main things that okay. I will be remembered
0: for. <laughs> for a second there, it sounded like I was interviewing you and telling you, tell me your strengths.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, <yeah>. well, I <laughs> guess is those good. are my strength and something that people always have highlighted about me, so I good. guess,
0: Yeah, that's what people notice.
1: All right.
0: So I want to share a little bit about how I met uh, Martha. And it began, I believe, um, and I don't know if you've heard the story, but it began when they, I think there was the COVID, um, what do we call it? The protests in Cuba were going on. And I watched as the media began to spin that story. So the people were holding American flags and many people were saying libertad and they were calling for freedom and yet when you listen to the media the media said oh this was just about you know how the government handled covid and they're not really calling for you know freedom the kind of american freedom that we know about and i thought that was complete you know a fabrication and we were denying the voices of the people in cuba in favor of a narrative that was false. And so I saw a video where you responded to that um, sentiment. And then I also saw other videos of you explaining life in Cuba and kind of showing examples of what happens in Cuba. You showed, I think there was a video, you showed the lines when, you know, the food comes. And people line up to go get food and things like that. And these were pictures that I'd never seen before. So immediately I saw that I I followed you and I said, I want to learn more. And since then, I have been following you and learning more about your experience there and then here. So let's jump into kind of growing up in Cuba. What do Americans not understand about Cuba and the experience of just life in Cuba. Not forget about you know what happened in the past, the revolution. We know a lot about that. But for a person today who is born into Cuba, what does life look like for them?
1: Well, um, what a life was for me uh, the years that I I, I lived there. Um, you know, I, I was a young adult, so I didn't have to go through the struggles of having to work and uh, provide for a family because I was still under my family's wings. Uh, but I remember my parents having to struggle, still having a nine to five because they they were well-educated professionals. So they still have respectable jobs, but the, the money that they were getting paid for their careers their job was not sustainable so it it was a constant struggle of trying to maintain food on the table um the lines that you are speaking of is uh for the food it's like uh the first of the month every month uh the government replenished the the bodega which is like the stores uh for food and then um so it it gets on the first of the month and on the 15th of the month so you have to go with a um it's like a little book about it's like a coupon book and let's say if your household is a family of five you, you present the book whenever you go to buy the products, uh, um, which whether it's you know, rice, meat, eggs, like the essentials. And uh according to how many people are living in your household, uh you get a, serve a portion of what the government thinks it will be sustainable for 15 days. Uh which often you run out of food a week and a half into the two weeks period. And so that's when it comes to the food, that's how you do it. And then uh and, and it's like that for everything. For like for like the meats, for like the the dry products, which is the rice, the the beans, the sugars, the stuff like that. And then you have another store where you go get vegetables, which often there's none. <laughs> so uh you know that's pretty much what what you do when it comes to the food. Uh, you are not allowed to farm. Um, you are not allowed to, uh, to grow your own. Um, so you can raise, the most you can raise at home would be pigs and chicken, but you're not allowed to farm cows or, You're not allowed to fish when it comes to like shrimp, luster, stuff like that. There is a lot of that on the island. Of course, we are surrounded by water in the middle of the Caribbean, but that belongs to the government and they use it for tourism purposes. So if you go to Cuba... You get to experience the best of what the island gets to offer. And this is where the narrative comes. All these American celebrities and elites have gone to Cuba. And then they're like, oh, but there is food. I'm eating laughter. I'm eating steaks. I'm eating this. I'm eating that. And, but that is just reserved for government authorities like the president and you know, and then like the elites that go from other countries, also tourists that go from other countries so they can send out. Look how great Cuba is doing. Socialism is amazing. While the Cuban people are on a restriction of food and on a, living in inhumane conditions because having to cut down and eat very minimum so you can stretch out the portions that the government give you is is inhumane. I remember uh, one time as a child I was hungry and uh, my mom had cooked um, chicken and so and I just couldn't wait. Um, so I had to take a piece of a, a drumstick and and eat it and when my mom got home because i was with my great-grandparents um i i was terrified to tell her which nothing was gonna happen to me of course (laughs) my mom was not gonna be mad at I fed myself but i was terrified to tell her that i took one of the drumsticks that was gonna be shredded and divided in
0: among five
1: people for that night you know and she, she was like don't worry it's okay. We'll figure it out. So that is the life of humans. You know, you have to ration yourself after the after the government already rationed for you. So you can just do something that is so essential for us, which is eat.
0: Wow. Um, so... This is this is very eye opening for me. So this whole idea about not being able to farm, and and raise you know plant your own vegetables, plant your own food, like, do you, was there ever a reason given for that idea? Why couldn't you just feed yourself by planting?
1: Well, uh, because I guess the idealism that Castro had was if you have your own. Um, farms uh, you can you have more than others so everybody needed to be equal so what he did when he took power was take from uh, the farmers everything their land their uh, their factories uh, and everything became government owned like that he could distribute it among everybody equally so nobody will have more food than someone who's just not doing anything for themselves. So he wanted everybody to be equal and everybody to have equal amount of food, I guess. Um, so that was the reason behind. So not one have more than others. And so if you own your own farm and you also grow your own vegetables and you, you butcher your own animals, You could make profit out of that by selling it to other people. Castro didn't want that. They wanted everybody to be equal. Because once you make profit, you're also making an income for yourself. Wow. And he didn't want that.
0: So it kind of gives perspective to this trend in America today about equity and equality. And everybody's talking about equality and how we should all end up in the same place in terms of what we have and the outcomes um, of our labor. and it's it's kind of very interesting when you see it in practice to see that in most cases, it doesn't work, that anytime you are, you try to suppress individuals to attain equality, you end up with creating misery for everybody and absolutely everybody he, down.
1: He regulated something that is so essential for humans to be able to bring that equality and then everyone became equally hungry. <laughs> 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 we were equal equally hungry, equally starving. Uh I, I mean if you see the, the the videos that I had shared and the pictures where people are eating whatever they can find from dumpsters from the streets, it, it's just heartbreaking. It's inhumane to see That is still up to this day, the successor of Castro's are still following those idealism and still putting them into, you know, into place whenever. But they just try to brush it off. And
0: And the funny thing is that even though they claim this, you know, goal of equality, the people who are at the top don't live like that. Right.
1: No, absolutely not. Exactly. if you see the president, uh the current president, which is Diaz Canel, and his wife, uh they are living top of the line, just like any other world leader, you know, uh very nice clothing, very nice uh footwear. They are going to the most expensive resource and, and restaurants and eating and drinking and having a very lavish life. What the people under them, what the Cuban people are scraping what they can to survive.
0: That is, wow. So one other thing we hear a lot about Cuba is that apparently Cuba has some really great healthcare. Like we hear it from people like Michael Moore like healthcare is universal it's free cubans just have great healthcare and america should be looking to countries like cuba for <laughs> ideas about healthcare what do you think about that
1: uh yes it's true the healthcare is free um you can go <laughs> you can go to a hospital and wait many hours to be seen and once you get seen by a doctor um uh, they will treat you if they have the resources to treat you if they have the medications um the the hospitals are in terrible conditions uh they constantly uh collapsing you do not have your own uh room you know like let's say my grandma last week she um she suffered from a little bit of a cardiac arrest and she had to be taken to the hospital. Uh, While I talked to my mom and and everything, the nurses, the the doctors, everybody was very attentive. They put her in her own room. Uh, She had everything accessible to her. They were checking on her constantly, running tests, making sure everything was well done with her. If, I tell you this, and I know for a fact that if this wouldn't happen in Cuba, we wouldn't have my grandma t- with us today. Uh, first of all, she wouldn't have had to wait to be seated for, for a long period of time. Uh, there's no equipment uh, and there's no hospital beds or or, or rooms available. It's just a, a large, area where everybody is being seen by these no doctors privacy. and no privacy. Uh the the, the restrooms are just <laughs> a hole <laughs> a hole on the ground because there's people think are just having a toilet is not <laughs> available and the ones that they have they're so old they don't have the the hygiene supplies to keep everything sterile and clean. So it's just the conditions are inhumane, just as well. Uh, so I will, I I would rather pay for healthcare hmm. and and to be able to be treated and to be able to have everything accessible to me when I go to a hospital. That just wanting to go to a hospital that is again government owned and the government doesn't care about it. And so there's nothing, there's no supplies. These doctors are constantly putting out videos uh, into the world so they can, so they work and see the conditions they are. They, they even washing, there was a doctor video that I watched the other day with this lady. Uh, she was washing her surgical gloves. Gloves that here, you put them on just to be sterile and then you throw them away after a surgery. They having to wash those and let them air dry so they can reduce them in another surgery. Hmm. So
0: wow, that's... so uh, you're saying we shouldn't believe the stories being told by people like oh, more <laughs> so, absolutely
1: uh-huh. not. If you I always tell people if you really want to see the true reality of another country, don't go to the resorts, don't go. To the areas that are built specifically for you, go just go to the the outside of the resort walls. Go to experience life like the Cubans are experiencing it. Um, so <laughs> a while back, I, I I saw someone posted on Facebook how American. America was trash because this person had traveled to another country. Uh, I think it was one of the Hispanic country, Costa Rica or something like that, and he had a, an extraordinary time. To what I replied, Yes, you're going to leave like kings and queens for a week vacation <laughs> in a country that is catering to you because you're bringing your american money to uh only enrich the elites of that government but behind those door, uh, those walls uh, of that resort there are people in poverty hungry that can that has to eat food from the grounds that they're fine so don't go to another country with your American money to live like kings and queens where people where your money is not benefiting the citizens. It's only benefiting the government elites.
0: That's good advice.
1: Needless it's, to say, uh, this person and I are no longer friends. Because <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like to hear what I had
0: to say. That is that is unfortunate, right? People need to open their eyes. I, I think. Um, I and One one of my most popular videos on social media was around this idea of moving out of America and going and living somewhere else. And a lot of these people who do so are very privileged, right? They have money saved up and so on. And so they're going to somebody else's country and somehow they feel like that experience is the authentic experience. Which it is, is absolutely not. not. Exactly. Okay. So let's shift To from Cuba to America. So now you're here in America. You came here. You said about when you were about nineteen. I came here when I was nineteen as well in two thousand and three. So we are um the same in that in that realm. So it's been about what you know a few over two decades. You've been here, and are you currently now an American citizen or Yes, I am. Okay. Okay. So what? As you look at America today, what do you think Americans don't understand about socialism? Because today, when you listen to a poll, there are a lot of polls today that indicate that a lot of Americans are favorable to the idea of socialism, and capitalism is losing support. And so, what do Americans not understand about socialism?
1: The lack of freedom. You do not On yourself you do not have any freedom uh under a socialist regime um
0: so you're saying like uh my body my choice all that stuff (laughs) does it
1: (laughs) (laughs) absolutely not (laughs) does it apply there is no choice there is no freedom of speech there is no freedom of there is no human rights so either you obey to the regime or you will face the consequences.
0: You so, you see examples of that creeping into American life? Do you see this idea of, you know, no freedom of speech, even though we have it guaranteed absolutely. in the Constitution? What are some examples of that that you see?
1: The censorship in, in all the platforms where you have to tiptoe around your own work Uh, yes, you have to TikTok among your own words to be able to express yourself because one word and you're canceled. I'll give you an example. Uh, I was cleaning house on Sunday and I posted a uh, just a status on Facebook that I said, uh, I am currently obsessed with Rema, I think he's Jamaican singer, that, uh, And so I'm like, I'm currently obsessed with Jemma. I will, uh, Rema, I will be blasting him out while cleaning house and doing chores. That's all I say. Which it means I'm supporting an artist.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? A Black artist.
0: How could at, someone at misunderstand that?
1: <laughs> and I got restricted from Facebook. I okay. guess it's because I use the word blast.
0: <laughs> that's the only
1: thing I can think of. Like I guess blasting can be like <laughs> I don't know, but I, I, know. I mean I, I'm, I'm old school, so I still use the old lingo like blasting music. So that's it's all really I'm
0: funny. Saying. It's really funny that when you when you watch videos on social media now, it seems like there are substitutes for words <gasps> that people are using. So you can't say. You know the the V word vaccine, right? <laughs> Nowadays, oh, no. so on social media, you hear people say, you know, they they point or they they say the V or something like that, just so that they don't get flagged. And people can't say things like a gun, right? <laughs> they have to use other words for that, and so on and so forth. So we're basically censored or being censored, and that censorship is growing, and and so that's. I guess, what would you say to Americans who are embracing some of these ideas?
1: That they need to step away from the mainstream media. They need to step away from the mainstream media. They need to start using their own resources to research. They need to speak to us. (laughs) (laughs) they need to find the immigrant in their community and speak to them listen to our stories listen to what we're trying to tell you, socialism communism does not work, it is it's an obsolete idealism It, it was put into place hundreds of years ago to bring this equality among everyone, but it does not work because at the end of the day, there's no equality because the government and the elites will get rich and the citizens will get poorer. That's the only thing. So yes, there's equality among the citizens everyone will be equally poor, equally hungry. It's sad. It's, sad. Yeah. it's just a sad situation. It just doesn't work. So my, my my advice for the American people is to get away from the mainstream media, do your research, uh, talk to us that are trying to, to bring awareness because we left those countries in hope for a better future, a better life, came to this amazing empire that is now Rambling in front of us, it's like we are reliving <laughs> in, in, in a loop. It's like we are exactly. in a loop, and it's very scary. Like I, I, I did not come to this country full of hopes and dreams. So twenty years later, I can see happening what I left. It, it's kind of like a PTSD. It is a trauma that that I'm having to relieve.
0: Wow. I have never seen it put that way, but definitely as an immigrant, um, I think our perspective is very important and we need to begin to speak up for a long time. You know, I just became a citizen two years ago. Um, I'm Congratulations. It was my two year anniversary in June. And before I became a citizen, I always felt like I don't, I can't speak out. I'm not, I'm just here as a guest. You know, if I speak out, It's not my place. I'm not, you know, a citizen of this country. And so even though I posted things here and there, I was never very, very vocal about what was going on in the country. But now I am I'm telling all immigrants, you don't have to wait to be a citizen to speak out about the things that are happening here. And you don't have to silence yourself because Americans really need to know and understand that our country is going in a direction that will end up exactly like the places we left to come here. And and so some years ago, I actually started a foundation. I haven't done much with it, but I called it Legal Immigrants for the Restoration of America. So Legal Immigrants for the Restoration of America. The the title is LIFTRA, L-I-F-T-R-A. And I'm going to give you a formal invitation to join an organization like that. And this is something that I'm, I'm looking right now for founding members so that we can set up something. And the goal of that idea is to bring together legal immigrants to share their stories so that Americans can begin to hear what is happening, why we came here, and what we are seeing happening to our American society. And so that, this is something I'll, I'd love to invite you to join. Thank you so much. We can find a group of legal immigrants. Maybe, you know, we find about 10 people and we actually establish this organization because I want those stories to be told. I want you people like you to share your experiences with um, other Americans. And I want us to be able to raise funds so we can amplify the voices of legal immigrants so they understand, so that Americans can understand what they're losing if they follow this path that we're going on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. Actually, as soon as you said that you're trying to find more uh, legal immigrants to be part, a couple of them came to mind that are from here, from a city, that are very involved in keeping America free.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of people want. don't realize them- yes. how fragile our freedom is. People don't realize that we can lose it in a blink of an eye. And I believe what happened during the COVID pandemic gave us a vision into what could happen because we went from a relatively free country and overnight, we suddenly became something completely different. And not only did we become different, but the government scared people enough for them to give up their rights and not only to give up their rights, but also to become basically agents of the government and so you saw all these people who were berating other people insulting other people calling them names because people refused to either wear a mask or or do certain things and so basically Americans became agents of the government to harass their fellow citizens and and so that showed me how easily that showed me how easily we could slip into... Some kind of um, authoritarianism, if we allow it to happen, and that's why we need to speak up very vocally about this. So, um, as we we wrap up here, um, what would you say is the what we should do, especially with our children? So our children are growing up in a world where. I mean they they want equality right they want to see everybody succeed and they have these idealistic you know ideas about you know how we can make that happen if only we eliminate profit or if only we tax the rich more if only we we you know give up a little more we give up our arms our guns or if only we we do this we could have a better country like what is your message to the youth who are being pulled into some of these ideologies.
1: My message to the youth is pretty much the same message that I, I said earlier for the um, for the general Americans is to please stop listening to the mainstream media um, as I fear for our future. I do not have children myself. But I, do, but I do have friends and family, and I have uh, nephews, and I fear for their future. I fear for what is to come of them. I fear that they're not going to have the same freedom that you and I experienced when we first came to America. Let's be honest, this is not the same America that we came to 20 years ago. This is a complete different America. The indoctrination in the schools and in the universities, and and now they're starting even younger. I know that not everyone can just take their children out of the school and homeschool, but I feel like parents need to be doing a stronger work with these kids at home to combat all that indoctrination that is being planted in their. Uh, young minds. Uh, Young minds are very easy to manipulate. So this is why they're going after the very young uh, youth, which is like early teens, and then the teens, and then the universities are molding these uh, young adults in their early 20s into believing that the socialist regime, it is a better future for them. When in reality, we know, we people that have lived through it, firsthand, first experience, know that this is not reality. So, uh, yes, to step away from mainstream media and to do their own research, to talk to immigrants, uh, the older, <laughs> I hate to say, like, the older immigrants. because uh, honestly, uh, and I hate to say this that way and express myself about other immigrants that are coming into the country, but I feel also that this new generation of immigrants that are trying to come to the country illegally are coming with that entitlementality mentality of being owed something. So they're coming into believing that We owe them and that they should get here and receive all these benefits without working for it like UNID and many other hundreds of thousands of immigrants have done for many decades that have come to America, become part of the the country and also give to the country as a, you know, a thank you. Like, yes, thank you for letting me come in and give me a new opportunity. And this is my gratitude. uh, Am I making sense?
0: Yes. Yes, definitely. And I I like that you bring that because I think that's one part of the immigration conversation that usually gets missed by the mainstream media, right? They, they they paint with a broad brush immigrants in general, and they don't understand that some of the, The people who are most against illegal immigration are the people who are here legally, the people who came here legally, who understand that America doesn't owe us anything. We owe our opportunities. We owe our success. We owe all the things we've been able to achieve to a country that created the the platform, basically, for us to stand on and succeed. But we had to go to work. We had to sacrifice what we could have. We had to make choices um, that would lead us to where we are today. And so a lot of times, I remember I saw a video some time back where someone was saying, oh, immigrants have it easy because they get assistance here and there. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what kind of assistance you're talking about. And so um, many of us had to work very hard under all sorts of restrictions in order to get where we are today and we appreciate the country and when we when we see the flag and we we hear the national anthem it brings pride it brings you know it brings this sense of wow this is the place where my dreams came true and i think my goal and the reason i created this show is to help rekindle our patriotism because we're losing that especially among the youth it's to help people re- recognize that they're lucky right. to be americans they're lucky to be born in this land they're lucky to be part of this society and the greatest tragedy in america is people who don't recognize their potential and how, how much is available to them and how much they can leverage that opportunity and that freedom right. to achieve the things that they want to in their lives. And if they want other people to succeed just like them, that they have the opportunity to do so, to bring themselves up. But not only that, to allow other people um, to use their resources to help other people come up as well. And and so our country is not about making everybody equal artificially. Our country is about raising people up to their potential, right? And that's the thing that we need to fight for. And protect
1: when you say uh they don't understand how much is accessible to them it just came to mind the bare minimal simple things like they don't know how privileged they are to have running water like you can just get up in the morning and open a faucet and you have running clean water they don't understand how lucky and privileged they are to have electricity. Uh, to not have a government that regulates when you can and cannot have power. I mean, they don't know how lucky they are to be able to have a kitchen, with say, a stove that runs on either electricity or gas. Uh, I did not have those things growing up. I had to, as a child, help my family to stand in lines with buckets to get water and then walk a couple of blocks with two buckets about this big on each hand. No child who have to do should have to do that. They don't understand how many nights, we have to have the windows open because it was so hard because the government had cut off the electricity for several hours during the night. So you couldn't sleep. Then you open the windows and then the mosquitoes come in. <laughs> so it was, you know, like we adapted to those circumstances because I, I believe that humans can adapt just to anything, but is the government pushing you to the limits to how much can you adapt to? So those very simple things. I remember one night doing homework, doing the (laughs) candlelight, and my hair cut on fire, (laughs) (laughs) because I was just a small child trying to do my homework, to have an education, to better myself under candlelight and then next thing I know I, I know is my hair is on fire, you know, simple things like that. It's, it's funny. It's part of I guess my my life, my my testimony. And but you know, it's just the simple things that we have that we get to choose the freedom, you know, the options.
0: Choose the what you can is eat.
1: The limit.
0: <laughs> exactly. Choose what you can eat. Even, right?
1: Yes. <laughs> children have. Children do not have a privilege. They are the parents. Ask them what something as simple as that. What do you want for dinner? I did not have that choice. My family would cook one meal, and we would eat that throughout the day. I I did not have something as simple as milk to go to school in the mornings. I had to drink a very thick glass of sugar water. You know, you take brown sugar because it's the thicker one. And and that was my breakfast. (laughs) You know, the story I told you earlier about being scared that I ate a piece of drumstick that was safe for dinner, you know. Things like that is is taken for granted. And and in other countries, just having that is very luxurious. And here we take it for granted.
0: All right. So, Martha, thank you so much for joining us today. I think we have learned quite a lot from your experience. And these are the kinds of experiences that we need to amplify in America so that people understand what they're working towards. And and I think one of the mistakes people make is think that it won't happen here, right? They think America is special. We will just be able to escape all the bad effects of these policies somehow because we are America. But what they don't realize is that we are knocking on the door. In some places, we're knocking on the door of that kind of life. And we need to hear experiences from people like you To help people find that right perspective to make sure that they're not uh, mistaken in their imaginations. And so,
1: the young socialists in America, their slogan is we will do it better. (laughs) We're not going to make the same mistakes. That was not true socialism. We know true socialism and we will do it better. They're not learning. From history, and there is a reason, and an advice that I actually tell people is go to the library, look at the old. History books that are becoming obsolete. Because if you now go in the comfort of your own house and get on Google, I don't know if you had noticed this, Alma, but everything in Google is losing their old translation and they are being revamped because that's the way that they have. They know these kids don't want to read a book. So books are becoming obsolete. And if they go into Google, they get the information they want them to get. Mm-hmm. So if you look at meanings and, and everything is, Google is changing. So I tell people, go to a library and please look at the old history books. All of the information that you need is in there, which I believe that Google is part of the mainstream media and do your own research.
0: Okay. Thank you so much once again for joining us today and uh, to our audience. This was a great conversation and I I, w- I would love for you to share this um, far and wide. I know we had some technical glitches here and there, um, but all in all, share this information, um, connect with Martha. We will provide all her contact information in the description of this um, episode. So connect with Martha. And let's begin to amplify these kinds of voices so that we can join in restitching America and saving America from the doom (laughs) that uh, that awaits us if we follow in the path that we're going today. So thank you once again, everyone, for listening to the show. Once again, we ask that you follow, like, subscribe to our social media and help us build this platform and bring more conversations like this to you. So I hope you have a great day and we'll see you next week.